Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Study Day Saturday, where we share adult Sunday school lessons from leadership churches that go in-depth on important topics of our faith. Keep in mind that this free version only includes a short preview of this lesson. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's study day Saturday. Good morning. Turn in your Bibles to First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to return uh, to our series uh, on defending the rapture. And we're looking at the issue of the pre-tribulation rapture and uh, the various uh, attacks on it. And we're examining biblically what is the truth uh, about the rapture. So I want to get some scriptures if I could. Uh, if you would like to read, uh, Pete is going to read our main verse. First Thessalonians 5 verse 9. Andy, Psalm 9 verse 8. Neil, read Revelations 14 verse 19. Gary Basham, Revelation 6, 16 and 17. Steve, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 3. Brian is going to read Genesis 18, 25. Uh, Robert Gill, 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 10. Uh, some others there. Nate, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 9. That'll be after you read it after the uh, main, that's the main verse as well. Uh, a couple more. Need a few more readers here. Bill Bronson, Titus 2.13. And that'll be enough for the moment. Okay. So we're going to look uh, today. The, the lesson has to do with uh, the principle of wrath and what the Bible says concerning the rapture. So today's lesson talks about God's promise, and the title of this is Saved from Wrath. Let's read 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. Okay, let's begin. Let's look at the principle of judgment, and this is uh, absolutely fundamental no element of uh, the rapture will make sense unless you first start here. That is, God judges sin. And that is uh, absolutely fundamental. Psalm 9, verse 8. He shall judge the world in righteousness, and he shall administer judgment for the people in uprightness. Okay, he will judge the world in righteousness. That is... Uh, uh, in the nature of God, it is uh, speaking not only of every person when they die, but here it speaks about this, God judging uh, the world. Now, a, a word that is used in the New Testament connected with judgment is the word we found in our main verse, and that is wrath. And wrath literally means anger at sin. This is the attitude of God Sin is not a, a, a light issue with God. It is uh, uh, offensive to him. It is anger uh, in sin. So we know that the three principles of judgment 
God judges in this life. There are judgments that God may choose to exact upon people uh, that uh, they are being judged for their sin in this life. He does that sometimes, but not always. We understand the second principle of judgment is that God judges in eternity. The Bible says it is appointed to a man uh, once to die. Every person is going to die, and the Bible says, then comes the judgment. This is eternal judgment. That is in eternity. But the third principle has to do, this is the whole understanding of why the rapture is logical, makes sense, is that God is going to culminate human history in a seven-year period of judgment. We looked at this, people who get confused about tribulation, trouble, problems. Uh, That is not what I'm referring to. The Bible speaks about this seven-year period called the Great Tribulation. Revelations 14, verse 19. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Okay, so here is, uh, remember the book of Revelations gives us chapters 1 through 3, the perspective is uh, on earth and uh, messages to the seven churches. Then at the end of chapter 3, come up here, starting at verse 1. The perspective is John is allowed to see from the perspective of heaven. And from heaven, what is revealed from chapters 4 on through uh, chapter 20 or, or so is judgment that is poured out from heaven on earth. And this is the particular seven year period. You have the bowls, the trumpets, and and uh, all of the different things. Verse 19, this is one of those that, uh, this is part of that seven-year period. The angel thrust his sickle in the earth, gathered the vine of the earth, and threw it in the great winepress of the wrath of God. So this is symbolic, but it's giving us this picture. Because of wrath, God is judging the earth in that seven-year period. Okay, In the last lesson, last two lessons, we were dealing with tribulation rapture. People who believe various versions that true believers will experience the great tribulation. Not tribulation, troubles in general, which Jesus said you will have. But the great tribulation, so you have, and I'm just recapping for a minute in case you weren't here is you have the various tribulation rapture is, uh, you have <clears throat> the, those who are mid-trib at the three and a half year. We go through it, but then at the three and a half year, then the rapture occurs. Every believer is uh, taken off of the earth. Then you have pre-wrath, which is at the five and a half year uh, mark. We go through tribulation for five and a half years and then we're raptured or uh, post-trib is we go through all seven years and then we go up in the great elevator in the sky up and down real quick. And so those are uh, the main ones. And uh, so all of these, they are saying that in some way we are going to experience, and we looked in detail, 
add to some of these. So, mid-tribbers say, well, it's not wrath until the three and a half uh, year mark. Revelation 6, 16 and 17. And said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that setteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? Okay, this one verse absolutely destroys mid-tribulationism. This is in the first three and a half years and it says that the wrath has come. We're already experiencing it. Now you can do the math of how many people have already uh, been killed on the earth at, at, at that time. So, uh, then you have pre-wrath, those that say the five and a half year mark, or even post-trib, they say, well, it's not really bad until the end. Even though, um, pulling this from the memory banks, it seems like uh, from the memory banks at that point in time, at the five and a half year mark, uh, nearly two-thirds of the entire population of the earth has been killed. But it's not bad. It's not real bad. <laughs> that, of course, is a ridiculous uh, statement. So, the Bible speaks about this period of judgment, and it uses a picture of a woman in labor pains, having labor pains. First Thessalonians 5.3 For when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Okay, labor pains. So the, the, the point here is that labor pains do increase. They do get worse, but that doesn't mean that they're not painful at the beginning. And I'm taking ladies' word for that, uh, having never experienced it. So very simple is that the tribulation period is all wrath. And this, of course, is just a recap. It is the lamb who opens the seals that releases judgment. It, the trumpets come from the throne of God. And so, uh, and the reason why that's important is uh, some people say, well, at first, yeah, there is uh, people dying, but it's only, it's the wrath of man. It's the Antichrist. But according to the Bible, the revelation uh, of John that he received, all of the judgments originate from heaven. In other words, God is the one orchestrating so, if you don't understand judgment, then you are then the rapture makes no sense. Okay, if you don't believe that, there are we're going to look. I think I can't remember if it's next week or in a couple of weeks. There are people who deny that there is going to be any judgment at all. And then, of course, if you deny that there's judgment, uh, then of course, then there would be no need for a rapture. Because the whole point of a rapture is to remove God's children so that he can pour out wrath on the earth. Okay, let's talk about the nature of God and then we're going to open for, for questions now. So, if principle number one is true and that is God judges sin, then there's a second principle you have to factor in. God's nature as a judge. Wrath is all about judgment. I am going to punish sin. But the Bible says that in the, God's nature as a judge is that he judges justly. He judges right or correctly. Judges 18, or Genesis 18.25. 
Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Okay, this is uh, uh, Genesis 18, is God sends angels to reveal to Abraham that the cities uh, in which your nephew Lot and his family are living, they're living in Sodom. That is one of two cities because of the sin. God said, that is so offensive, I am going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, your nephew and his family, they live in Sodom. So that means anybody living there, they are going to be judged. So Abraham speaks to God. He begins to pray. And in his prayer, it is not trying to talk God into something that is foreign to him. It's not like, God, I know that you're really mean, but could you be nice for once? That is not what he's saying. His appeal is actually appealing to the character of God. He says, you are a judge. I know that. Because remember, God had already judged uh, uh, the earth in the flood. So he says, I know that you judge. But his appeal is to God's character. He says, the judge of all the earth, he does right. In other words, he does this righteously or fairly, and what his appeal is, is God, you do not judge righteous people with the wicked. Notice that's not what you have done before, so I understand you're not going to start doing that now. You're not going to say, I'm so mad at Sodom, I'm going to wipe out some righteous people with them. She said, that would go against who you are in your character and your nature. So, in the, if judgment is true, we see in the Bible this principle, God, before judgment, removes righteous people, so now the way is free to bring judgment upon the wicked. So, here is one example, and that is Lot and his family are given an opportunity. They are taken out Finally winds up being Lot and his two daughters are the only ones who are willing to be righteous enough to believe God. And uh, they uh, are brought out of the city. Then judgment falls because that is consistent. That's what Abraham is saying. You're a consistent God. You don't judge righteous people with the wicked. Okay, what are some other Bible examples of God removing the righteous, so that he can judge the wicked. There's a few more. Phil. In Ezekiel, they marked all the righteous people in the city so they wouldn't have to suffer the judgment. True. Okay, that is true. That is a, although that is a, that's a vision of something that didn't actually happen, but that is what God does. Mike Sanchez. The blood over the... Okay, all right. In Egypt, in the Passover, God says, this is what? I'm going to come and I'm going to judge wickedness in Egypt, but he makes a way so that righteous people don't have to be judged with them. Not a, uh, none of the Jews died with the Egyptians because God made a way of escape, and that was the blood 
on the doorpost. Chuck. Um, when the walls of Jericho fell down, they, they uh, rescued the harlot and her family. Rahab, yeah. Rahab. So in Jericho, they made a way that if you believe, then you can be saved out of, you will not experience death with everybody else in Jericho. That's true. David. Noah and his family were uh, saved during the flood. Okay. And, and uh, God makes a way of escape. That's the ark. God, for 120 years, is telling him judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. But he makes a way. And that is that the righteous people, he preached for 120 years. Do you want to be saved? No one did. But Noah and his family, they all were, were saved. So, that is the character of God. And it is consistent. You don't see God in this one saying, all right, I'll save Lot, but I'm going to wipe out uh, Noah and his family. He doesn't mix and match. It's consistent. He saves the righteous people from the judgment that comes on the wicked. So, now, we just were talking about in God's plan, in the third principle of judgment, remember, in this life, in eternity, but in a seven-year period... In the seven-year period of judgment called the Great Tribulation, God's plan is that righteous people escape that judgment. 1 Thessalonians 1.10. And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Okay. Jesus, who delivers us, uh, who delivered us from the wrath to come. And we're going to look in more detail at that verse, but that's... That's the principle. Wrath is judgment. Judgment is coming. And Jesus doesn't want righteous people to suffer that. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, the, our main verse. Test. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, here is the, the word that is used here is appointed. God in his wisdom sees the future, he plans in advance, and he says God's plans in advance is that we are not planned, appointed, or destined to wrath. That is not our uh, portion. And one more verse, Titus 2, 13. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, what are we looking for? We're looking for a blessed hope. So, simple question. If you believe that believers are going to go through the tribulation, would that be a blessed hope? If you'd like to hear the rest of this sermon, subscribe today. It's only $3 a month when you subscribe at supercast.tech or $4.99 per month when subscribing in Apple Podcasts. Links are in the show notes. We thank you for joining us on this special preview of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. 
I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.